We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we are the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. I'm Dr. Jody Mullen, and this podcast is about helping parents and other people who are connected to children help children be their best. I've been a child counselor and play therapist for almost 30 years and a mom for just over 20. (laughs) Blending my knowledge and experience puts me in the ideal spot to share with you the lessons I have learned about children, parenting, and cultivating relationships with children. These lessons have informed my parenting, and I believe why, as one of my friends put it, I have freakishly well-behaved kids. P.S., I just wanted to let you all know that they are freakishly freakishly well-behaved, except when they are not. So um, so sometimes I'll get an opportunity to talk about that as well. In this podcast, we're going to get at some of the basic and fundamental principles I learned from my child clients that promote their wellness and therefore how they behave. These principles make parenting and parenthood whew, less stressful, more joyful. Um, I've whittled down these basic principles and share them with you as well other lessons I have learned or I'm in the process of learning here so you too can benefit and enhance the relationships you have with your children and enhance your parenting esteem as well. For more on parenting children, check out my book, Raising Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. It was inspired by the thousands of children that I've worked with and conversations and consultations with parents I've had. You can also find additional resources for parents and professionals on my clinical website, and that's www.integrativecounseling.us, and integrative counseling is just one word. Um, Or you can hang out with me on social media. Um, I'm on Facebook at Integrative Counseling and Instagram at Dr. Jody Mully, um, where I share stories related to my clinical work. In any of what we talk about today, I make every effort to disguise any identified information and any likenesses are mere coincidence. Um, today, I'm lucky enough to have Faye with me again, and we're going to cultivate a conversation using some of the questions and ideas that come from our engagement with you all about children making um, mistakes and honestly um, the best way we could think of putting it is like how to helping them lose. So I want to welcome my sidekick, uh, Faye, um, who's a full-time marketing professional with more hustles than she can count, including her lifestyle and beauty blog. And you're going to want to check that out at Rip Current blog. Um, so welcome, Faye. How are you today? Thanks for having me again, Jody. I'm great. How about you? I am doing good also. I'm so excited to talk about this because this is one of the parenting principles, one of the 20 that I talk about in Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids book and audio book, but it's so like important. And I think the way we're going to talk about it today talks about some of the nuances of it. So um, the benefits of being a loser and, and talking about failing, losing, and making mistakes is such an integral part to 
our parenting, but also to even our relationships with self. So we'll get to sort of like talk about it in a number of different ways today. I'm excited about that. Yeah, what a cool topic. Um, do you think we should start with maybe maybe one side of it, which would be um, what you think is one of the biggest mistakes parents can make when it comes to their kids being upset about losing? Yeah, I think that that is really an, an important important component to this. So first is your children are going to lose, and they are going to be disappointed, and they are going to be hurt, and they are going to be embarrassed, just like we are, right? And so I think that it's really important for us to just recognize that that is a part of living. And if we don't allow children to experience um, those aspects of their lives, is that cuts them off from being able to deal with it later on and as they mature and as they're teenagers and adults. So the one of the um, best tips I can give here is, is that when your child is experiencing a loss, it um, is to acknowledge it, is to acknowledge how they feel and acknowledge the experience of losing. Let me give you an example. Um, so, Faye, that may sound something like you are super disappointed that your team lost the game. It stinks when you lose. Just something really simple that acknowledges it. You don't try to take it away um, and, um, like, sort of <laughs> replace the loss with the reward. But just, you know, just acknowledge it because these little losses really do add they add up, and they if we don't acknowledge the little ones when the big ones happen, like their first breakup or something like not making a team, something like that, the bigger ones um, is they they won't be prepared for them. So what we're doing is laying a foundation. Right. So one of the biggest mistakes you would say is kind of like not forcing them to postpone feeling the feelings of losing. Oh, you more said or that. less. So yes, you said that so beautifully. That's totally it is that you if you um try to gloss over it or make it something that it's not like um and say like everyone's a winner that's <laughs> that's just that's just <laughs> not true but when you play a game someone loses right um and so to be able to uh, be honest with them is so important about and to be honest with them about their experience and again, this is foundational in parenting and relationships with children because if you don't do it now, they're not going to believe you uh, later on when they become twins and teens. They're just not going to be able to, to uh, believe you because if you lied to them, that's the way children will see it, and told them that it wasn't a deal, that everybody wins, that the, you know what I mean, those kinds of things. Right. And kind of piggybacking on that, I know you kind of just touched on this a little bit, but in, in the same regard, how can you share with the child that losing is okay? So rather okay. than postponing, how do you make them feel like losing is an okay thing to experience? Okay. So first is model, right? So you have to model that you make mistakes. Uh, you have to model that you lose, um, that you didn't win. Um, so it's not always that you lost, right? But it's sometimes that you didn't win. And I'll share a personal story. So um, I'm a runner, and um, I did lots of races when my children were little. And one of the things that my kids would say to me when they were little would be like, did you win? 
And I would say, I finished, and I'm so proud of myself for finishing. I never won a race. I'm never going to win a race. I'm not that kind of runner. But to be able to say, like, what I took away from it, and then the other aspect of that is then you can employ that same skill with your children. It's like, what did you take away from that? So your team lost. What were your personal wins? What were some of the things you learned from that experience? And they may not be able to come up with those things, but you can give them examples. So one of the things might be like, um, I, I know that it's really hard when you lose. I'm thinking of a sporting um, event. I know it's really hard when you lose um, in the last few minutes of the game when you were winning the whole game. So I'm wondering if that changes the way that you play next time. You know, so you can kind of bait them and set, you know, set it up. But if you're not doing that yourself, it's just not going to work at all. <laughs> right. So the modeling aspect of it is important, you'd say. Yeah, the modeling aspect of it. And then and then also sort of teasing out, well, what did you get out of this, right? If you didn't win, you still get things out of it. You, there are still things you learn. There's still things you experience. There's still highlights, right? Like you can um, not, like, let's say you get cut from the musical cast right? Um, you still can have that experience of the courage it took to try out, you know, and so right. it becomes, although, like, I don't think that, like, happens very naturally for kids, so it's how do we really cultivate that experience for them? How do we demonstrate for them that and, and give them ideas about that? So we're demonstrating it through modeling, but then we're also giving them some ideas. And that requires us <laughs> to think a little bit differently about that as well. It's not just children. We're really, the dominant United States culture is very much a sport um, culture um, that really um, looks through a lens of, uh, um, a lens of you're either a winner or a loser, right? And so how, right. do, how do we add some, how do we add some nuance? to that right and I know you just mentioned running and I think competition is definitely a big part of you know the feeling of losing and the feeling of winning um Mm -hmm. so do you think there's a right age to let kids start playing competitive sports and being in an arena where they are going to feel wins and they are going to feel lost Right. So the, I'm not alone in this. The American Academy of Pediatrics also has something to say about this. And organized sports, um, adults are getting in the way of children interacting with each other, right? So we're overseeing some of the social skills and negotiation skills and all of those things that they get to learn when it's just children playing with children and there's not an adult structure to it. And so um, I, I I really don't see a reason, certainly under the age of five, that children should be um, enrolled in organized sports unless it's like t- teaching a skill teaching kind of a thing where like they're learning how to ice skate, for example. That would be great. But having to having to uh, participate in competition, no. Like so, whether it's in competition game or in competition like that are more traditional in things like figure skating and dance, um, I think that that it, it's too much pressure 
on and stresses a child's system too much, and the benefits from it do not outweigh um, the ways that that can become complicated and stressful to children. And I would say the other piece is that they become stressful to adults. Like <laughs> when my daughter, uh, my daughter was a figure skater when she was younger, and the amount of stress I would experience and anxiety that I would experience, and I am not exaggerating when I tell you I would sit by myself in the stands and watch her during competition and cry, like literally just cry because of the <laughs> level of stress I felt because she never won. Like she literally never won and she worked so hard at it. And that's, that's heartbreaking. And so what does she take away from that? Well, what, you know, what she, well, now she's 22, what she takes away from that is I can deal with disappointment and, and rejection um, without feeling like a disappointment and, and rejected. So it becomes this like really important lesson um, but I think organized sports for certainly for children under five, um, they're just not necessary. Right. I kind of have, have a, a little bit of a similar story. Like I know that you said oh, that um, your daughter, your daughter used to do figure skating. And it was like hard to, you know, see her lose and that there's a lot of stress surrounding that. Um, I kind of on the other side of that, I feel like when uh-huh. I was younger, I played a lot of sports, but I didn't really necessarily care about, the winning aspect. Yeah. Um, I just kind of was like having fun. I didn't necessarily consider myself to be very good at sports until I got into like a middle school, high school age range. Uh-huh. But I yeah. would say that my biggest takeaway from doing something competitive was that I started to really love movement and I've kind of carried yeah. that into my adult life. So just from the other side of things, like I think that's another thing that you can explain to kids maybe that yeah. that's something you're getting out of it too. Just the love of movement and being outside Oh, I think that's, I love that because I think that that is, is just it. And, um, and, and now I'm having flashbacks to, I played soccer, um, as a child. And, um, I remember being like, I think I was six when I started, but I got to play every position, right? So even like trying out all of those things, I can't tell you how good my team was when I was six, when I was seven, when I was eight. It's not until I got into, middle school and stuff that I could tell you how well my team performed but I can tell you that when I was really little I got to try all of those different positions for size and there was something about that right there's something about just being able to try new things that it are those life lessons that are actually about like winners do that right and successful people do that they try out things and figure out what they're good at so Definitely. thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so I have another question for you, uh, and it's kind of – I was wondering how parents can alleviate the pressure of trying to always win. Uh, yeah, okay. So, so even if it's if, after a certain age that they're starting competition. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So there's a couple of things that happen, and this is definitely something I I learned personally and professionally from being a play therapist and playing with children all the time. Um, And some children want to play um, games where there is a winner or a loser, like um, Uno or Jenga or um, even set up, you know, sort of competitions. And so um, I think, like, there's nothing wrong with a competitive, spirit, but there are going to be times where children 
um, <laughs> children aren't going to win, and they can see it happening, so they cheat, right? <laughs> and so, right. Um, <laughs> and I think when you see that, is you can either like reel that in and be like you're cheating and make it a power struggle, or my preference would be to just like honor it and say it's important to you to feel successful. There are a lot of children who are negotiating the world and navigating the world without opportunities for successes. So in some ways you want to create opportunities for successes and then also recognize that when you're playing a game with a child and they cheat or they, as I say, do some creative problem solving around that <laughs> is, um, is to honor that is to just honor that they want to know what it's like to feel successful. And, and I will tell you when I say that um, in play therapy sessions, when I say to a child who's clearly, you know, uh, cheating at a game is like, you are trying to figure out a way to win. You want to feel successful is children will say like, mm-hmm. they won't be like, no, I wasn't, you know, cheating where if I said to them, like, you're cheating, um, that's not the way you play Uno, they would be, that, <laughs> that would cut them off from communication and honesty. And so I think it's it's also um, a, a relating is that we all want to feel successful. All of us do. And so um, being able to, like, into your own desires to feel successful and, and, and feel confident and all of those positive things, that's what children are trying to do too. And so if you can acknowledge that, that will make your, your relationship um, stronger with the child. Awesome. Um, I also was thinking about this from the perspective of, you know, teaching kids to be good losers is kind of really the point of this episode. And yeah. I know that kids aren't always being, sh- like, taught this by their parents. I know that they spend a lot of time with coaches and with teachers at school. So what do you think that the importance of teaching kids to be good losers is in any setting? Yeah. So I think being able to recognize the other person's competency is a way to do that. So I might say um, something like, um <laughs> And, and I'm going I'm to give you an a, uh, example with my daughter and tell you that it didn't work, but I'm still going to use it as an example. <laughs> is, um, I would say, like, that competition that, you, you know, that you just had, that, you know, that girl is going to see. And, um, and just recognize that, like, I wonder how hard she had to work to do that or how um, much time she's invested or old she was when she started, you know, figure skating. I think recognizing the competency in others while also recognizing their own um, competency, recognizing their own capability, recognizing their own potential. Um, So it like saying something like, uh, it's really hard when you don't win, when you really want to win. And I wonder if you bring that spirit to the next game, what that, how that will show up. Or um, the person that you played against, wow, they really wanted to win. They must practice a lot. You know, just sort of um, recognizing the value in others, um, I think it is important. Um, and I think also another way to do that sort of without being 
participating is rooting for underdogs, right, is to be able to do that. Um, in, and you can do that through, like, books that you read to your, you know, with or to your child, books that they are interested in is, like, you know, is um, highlighting the underdog and, and the role of, of that related to um, being a good being a good sport, being a good loser. Right, and, and I definitely. Well, and I think going back to kind of where we started is recognizing that even like when you don't win, there are still takeaways. I think that in and of itself, you know, can make you a better loser as well as somebody acknowledging, and I'm going to be just really um, clear with my language here, is it sucks. Right, it it sucks when you lose, and so being able to say that um, in an age appropriate way to your child, it, you know, it, I think is an, an important thing. Or um, if you are an educator, or if you are a child counselor, being able to say like that really felt bad. I also think you know another um, thing that that comes up is like besides um, like winning or losing, what else did you get out of it? Right. So like was I mean, I, I'll go back again to my memories of soccer was I loved playing soccer. I loved like you were saying, I loved being outside. I think if I asked my daughter um, about all those comp- figure skating competitions she was in, she loved the fanfare of it. She loved the costumes and she loved the honestly, like the makeup and the dramatics of it. That's what she loved about it. So it's right. like, teasing, what, like, well, what keeps you in the game? Why do you want to keep playing? Um, I don't like questions for kids, but so I would just change that. You really are still asked why, but um, to an extent, but you could say, like, what is it about playing soccer that you love? What is it about um, being on the swim team that's so exciting to you? Right. So if you ask a what is it kind of question, that will do that. Right. I remember as a kid, my dad always used to ask me after every sporting event. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember this from even even being like four or five playing like t-ball or, you know, like <laughs> kiwi soccer or whatever it was. Like it was always the first thing that he asked me was, did you have fun? And that was mm-hmm. always just like, even if I felt really not great about losing, I specifically remember how good it felt. It was like an instant boost that he was asking me about the only thing that I wasn't thinking about when I was upset. Uh, so him just that. asking me, did you have fun? I would be like, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, you're right. I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, I, I'm so glad you share that example because I think that that is something that we forget about. Like if it's not fun, why are you doing it? And I think that's a question we <laughs> have to say that all the time too. Yep. <laughs> Yep, right. And I think even even for ourselves, like I um I go to yoga regularly and I love it. And people sometimes honestly my um my partner has said to me something like, like, you know that counts a, a workout and I said, Not to me. <laughs> like not to me. It doesn't feel it's not a workout because it's I enjoy it. Like it brings me so much joy. Um and I feel the same and, way about yoga too. It's definitely yeah. not a workout. It's like you're there for really just yourself, like not anybody else. Right. 
And I think that that children can have those experiences too, but we have to maybe tease it out in the questions we ask them. Did you have fun? What 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 joy came from you know doing this right like um, and that can come from anything that's competitive like um, my son is an artist and so you know it is typical that his artwork gets put in competitions and for I think you know one of the takeaways is that he might not get an award for everything and he doesn't he submits but the cool thing about it is people get to knowledge and appreciate his artwork and that brings him joy is that somebody felt connected you know connected to it um so i think like those are the those are the things that we can highlight is that yeah it stinks when you don't like get honored in a particular way that's related to winning so to speak um but um wow look at like how many people just really appreciated what you created or how you played or you know, any any of those things. And I think it, I, I do think that it is so important for coaches um, to to be able to look at the complexity of of competition and what kids can take out of it. Um, because if they're only looking at wins, is they're missing so many other opportunities to create team spirit, to create compassion to create the art of losing the art of failing they they're they're literally right. getting in the end of it right and I was just about to say that too I feel like a lot of that is like a socialization aspect mm-hmm. and kind of like yeah. emphasizing to kids that it's not just comments like the entire time all of that socialization is really the important part at that age yeah well and I even think so um my son is yeah, just graduated high school, and I and um, I was thinking about like, well, who are even my friends? <laughs> um, the other day we were doing something celebratory, and I was like, oh, it was the people that we came to, became connected with because of our kids um, playing sports or our kids participating in you know in, in other kinds of things that were competitions, and so I think that like the modeling that happens there is like that these that. We've been through a thing or two um, watching his team and um, teams over the past, you know, uh, years of growing up and, um, and, and that those have built relationships and it's those relationships that we get to take away with us. He's done playing basketball for, you know, his school um, and now, but those relationships aren't done. Ours aren't done with the other parents that we connected to and became, became you know, friends with, but neither are his. Like these are these are people he can be friends with, you know, forever. And it's that shared experience. So there's so much opportunity for socialization and modeling socialization um, at you know at comp- competitive events, including sports, but not only limited to sports. Right. So, um, so those are really the only questions I had for you, but I did want to also mention, I know you said it before, but there was a, basically like a making mistakes chapter in Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids. So yeah. I did want to mention that too, in case anyone wanted a little bit more in depth. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And that one really does focus the chapter on making mistakes, really does focus on modeling 
mistake making. So modeling mistake making, modeling losing. Like, <laughs> but you can also model like um, is creative problem solving around like how do you become successful at something. So you can also model. Um, you know, like what we were just talking about for the love of yoga, for the love of running, for the love of just being able to play, um, you know, a game of cornhole with your friends. You might lose, but you, but there are opportunities to connect and you're modeling that all the time. It's, you know, obviously a theme we talk about here all the time on Freakishly Well-Behaved Kids is, but you are together so um, one of the things that my my family did um, during um, the lockdown because of the COVID pandemic is we had cooking competitions but the, but we so our cooking competitions were not individual. It was we did it in pairs, and so you know, just being able to you know to to integrate uh, collaborativeness. Very cool. Yeah. So we'll be get we'll be back again um, talking. Um, about our next topic. Obviously, if you have questions or want to hear more about any of these, you know, any of the ideas that we're talking about, just reach out to us. This is how we decide what we're going to talk about. And um, keep an eye on our social media for some, like, after thoughts based on our conversation um, today. So thank you so much, Faye, uh, once again, for being part of this and help, help keeping me on task because I always want to talk about so many things. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. You're welcome. Okay, we'll see you soon. Please uh, check us out again on social media. Take care.